brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome to the show, everybody. All right, today we're going to be uh, talking about cross-cultural relationships. Now, what this means is I'm not talking, you know, black, white, Asian, American people blending together. What I'm more talking about is people coming from different continents and different countries. And uh, we're not going to be able to hit everyone. We're going to hit by segment uh, later on in the show. But basically, the complexities of these relationships is enormous. And also, the probability for them to remain together is also very risky. Uh, the, the rate of divorce is far more than the average uh, rate of divorce in the United States is around 64 to 67 percent. Uh, but it's in the much higher range in the 70s uh, to 80s. Uh, depending on the cultural mix that come together. Also, there's always issues having to do with uh, families in other countries and on the continents and the possibility of one partner moving to that continent and then there's the children and what to do with them. So these relationships are highly complex and require an enormous amount of trust and understanding. They also require an enormous amount of compromise. They also require patience. And so, uh, you know, in counseling, many of these kind of couples, uh, this kind of uh, issue is not just a standard uh, marriage counseling. You have to take the individual relationship and the cultural considerations into place to even help these kind of folks. And so it's a real challenge. It is a real challenge because you, as a therapist, working with people in this dynamic, also have to have a very strong sense of anthropology, which is an understanding of cultures all around the world. And, uh, you know, that blend is necessary so you can understand some of the layers involved in it. You know, um, academic research on, on uh, cross-cultural couples has tended towards the negative, uh, but it has brought an increase in the number of intercultural couples as well as a uh, increase in social acceptance. And, and, and so that you know, inter intercultural couples are couples that marry within their culture. You know, recent studies uh, do not suggest that there's a greater likelihood of separation mm -hmm. and divorce in cross-cultural marriages compared to uh, couples that are uh, coming in to intercultural relationships. Sometimes intercultural relationships are even more complex because intercultural, meaning within their own culture, there's also a different culture, and sometimes those don't blend. You know, a lot of academic studies 20, 30 years ago tended to be uh, problem-saturated. Intercultural couples were seen as, as problematic. Uh, where one in five in the United States is an immigrant, uh, two in six is a visible minority, and and there is uh, and that's a low statistic. Actually, I believe it's probably higher than that. Uh, and it's you know there is more likelihood in this day and age with the global economy that we're going to have a cross cultural situation of some type. 
And if you go to Ancestry.com, which I've done in the past, and uh, swab a, a Q-tip in your mouth and send it off to them, they can do a genetic breakdown of just what you're made up of. I, quite frankly, am made up of over 100 different cultural backgrounds in this world over the last 150,000 years, which is interesting to find how that mix is and how complex we all are. None of us are purely uh, one culture in our lives. That's in, in our genetic makeup. We all come from different continents. Most often, uh, the research has shown that over 150,000 years, most of us came from Somalia, uh, Ethiopia area, and migrated on into where we've, we've all ended up. Now, while in relationships are, you know, these uh, relationships are challenging, these uh, cross-cultural ones, uh, they, they have an additional l- a layer of complexity because culture is a little like uh, water to a fish, you know, but we're in it, but we're not necessarily aware of our culture until we encounter someone who doesn't share all our beliefs, our customs, our rituals. A- at first, what's, uh, what's exciting and fresh and new and, and sometimes unfamiliar it's also something that you may uh, immediately embrace, but later on may find extremely frustrating. You know, uh, you want to survive that relationship. You want both of you to blend together, and that's what it takes. When two cultures come together, you don't take on one culture. You need to blend both cultures, which means you have a culture of your own. So, you know, statistics show that cross-cultural relationships take a lot of time to blend, many years and have less than 50% chance in, in Western cultures in the U.S. due to the liberal divi- uh, view of divorce and uh, cultural factors. So here's some issues. With all the wonderful reasons why marrying a, a foreigner is a fantastically fun idea, there are some uh, definite downsides as well. And so you want to take these things in, into consideration. You know, there's a few reasons that I'll list here. You know, the, far away from family, you know, one person in in the relationship has a family living far, far away from family and friends, and there will never be a time when the whole family, your family, the one you form with a cross-cultural relationship, will have closeness among all family members and your children. That is a very frustrating. Also, there's a loss of holiday traditions oftentimes in these uh, relationships. There's, you know, there, there may not be uh, uh, um, the Christmases that we once had. Uh, there may not be the Thanksgivings that we're so used to here in the United States in a Christian life. Uh, we may not have the warm and comforting uh, things having to do with holiday traditions. These change in cultural relationships because there's not as much cultural understanding oftentimes of those holidays and traditions. Also, um, there's cultural misunderstandings. You know, they have to learn to appreciate one another's cultural perks and quirks. And, and so it can be fun. It can actually be fun, but it also can rub one or another the wrong way. You know, cultural uh, idiosyncrasies uh, that one person loves may cause a lot of irritation for the other person. You know, someone may believe, may like enjoy Hanukkah and the other may enjoy Christmas and those two go together, but they don't go together. And so some of those traditions can either blend or not blend. Some people are agnostic and or, or uh, atheists and they don't believe in, in Christmas whatsoever. And that could cause some issues for somebody who does. Also, there's the sense of uh, what if they divorce? You know, when I brought that up earlier, 
But this is one of the most difficult uh, divorces to handle because children are completely torn apart because the cultural cultures that came together have now divided apart and the children are half of both. And so that means where is home? And where is home could be a very dynamic question uh, in that situation, and it could be very hard for the courts to rule on. Also, learning languages is an, another challenge that comes into play in a cross-cultural relationship. You know, as we get older, many people struggle to learn a new language. Now, the beauty of, uh, like, the Rosetta Stone is it teaches through visual learning and verbal learning, which is our two main processes that we have when we're very young. Uh, so it teaches us as if we were three to four-year-olds, and that's why you, the Rosetta Stone is very, very helpful uh, to learn new languages. It's, it's a good thing. Some adults can pick up on it. Some adults can't. But learning that language can be a big challenge. Also, you know, the, not only to mention, we don't understand subtle jokes. So finding humor can be a great big challenge uh, when you both come from two different languages and different cultures, because one may take same, same, something one way and the other may take it the other way and nine the two shall understand. It also, you know, it takes a lot of work uh, to be in an uh, international marriage or a cross-cultural marriage. You know, they have to listen to each other in a different way. They have to not only listen to what each other's saying, but listen to what each other's intentions are. And they also have to be really good communicators because if they're not, they can be in a very bad situation with each other. Their arguments can be very disrespectful, very hurtful. And uh, then the families oftentimes, by the way, uh, align with their culture. They align with the, the uh, spouse or partner that comes from their culture. So they oftentimes don't take on uh, or, or empathize with the person coming from a different culture. Also, um, you're never completely at home in these kind of relationships. Uh, you know, uh, many people feel very comfortable in their residential country like the United States but they don't feel 100% at home if they didn't come from here. You know, not only do others treat them as a foreigner, uh, no matter how hard they try, this country, you know, this country in the United States and other countries sometimes never hold the same degree of comfort for the person that's here. Um, so that means that you may receive all of the comforts and joy of being a citizen of the country that you live. And I say this because we have a very large international audience on this show. So, you know, the deal is that the person coming to your country is challenged often by the prejudices and the non-understanding of where they come from. And uh, also, this could be the end of true vacations because these kind of couples often have to go to whoever, uh, whoever is coming from a different country, whoever's culture is being denied from a sense of time with, with the couple and the children, they have to take vacations to that person's country rather than explore the world, rather than pursue specific dreams. There's the demand of the family that's far, far away, and they have to meet that demand by going visiting uh, these uh, families. Now, this is not the case for everybody. I'm talking in general. These are general problems. These are not specific problems to you, but these are very general problems that are often seen in cross-cultural relationships. Also, by the way, you know, airplane flights are very, very expensive when you do international travel, and especially if you're young. 
So this can also be a challenge because a lot of young couples get into cross-cultural relationships and basically what happens is uh, they have to pay for flights to go back home and, and introduce their new partner or meet their family or be with their family. And these things can go on, these flights can go on 10, 12 hours, maybe even more, 14. The, uh, some flights can go up to 19 hours or more. So the bottom line is, you know, you really, really, really have to understand that flying that far, you don't want to go there for a week. You need to go there for two, three, four weeks. And that can be a challenge with an employer, especially if you're young. Also, um, you know, if you have children, grandparents are far, far away. So they never, the children are never able to have both sets of grandparents living nearby. That is another challenge in these relationships. And, and here's some questions if you're thinking about entering a cross-cultural relationship. Where will we be buried when we die? Will it be in the country we live in now or the country of origin? Or will we let our children decide based on where they're living and uh, many of us know the answer already, while others have no idea. And, you know, once again, if we think about attraction, and I'm going to talk about that in another show because uh, the, the laws of attraction and what attracts people to other people. But the deal is people are visual. And so they will find themselves here. It's, it's pervasive around the world that folks that get into a relationship of choice oftentimes do it physically before they do it mentally. So they go to bed with the person and then they find out if they, they're compatible. So many of these relationships that are cross-cultural find themselves in a physical situation moving into a, a uh, relationship, a friendship also, which is layered on top of the physical. So, you know, that is a challenge. That is a big challenge and it's a very naive step. You know, what What you want to cre uh, keep in mind is uh, cross-cultural relationships counseling can really help these couples become more open-minded and accepting of each other. Uh, they're in each other's culture. By learning how to understand and listen to each other, we learn to overcome cultural differences. You know, we need to find out from our spouse or our future partner or our relation, long-term relationship partner what parts of their culture is important to them, not what parts of their culture uh, are out there, but what parts are important to them in specific. And that's what the counseling would, uh, for, from a cultural perspective, would be very helpful. Um, you know, it's really important uh, not to make assumptions. You know, in cross-cultural relationships, it's common to defend your own culture and make assumptions about your partner's culture. People defend their own culture because it's part of them. You know, your partner's culture is different from yours, and that can be really scary. But it's these assumptions about your partner's culture that make our partner's culture mm -hmm. more scary, silly, and even weird. So cultural stereotypes are a source of misunderstanding. If you're going into a cultural relationship, um, then basically you have to understand that you have to be very, very specific towards uh, your partner's needs and not towards your, your specific assumptions about their culture. Find out why your partner's culture has certain habits, beliefs, traditions before comparing it to your own because then you'll understand intentions and intentions are where we merge together. 
Also, you, you want to respect differences. You know, living with differences is one thing, but respecting each other's difference is something else. In, in some cross-cultural relationships, couples do live with each other, but have some passive-aggressive feelings towards their partner's different lifestyle due to their culture. So what is passive-aggressive? Well, passive-aggressive means I'm going to hold it in, I'm going to hold it in, I'm going to tolerate, going to tolerate, but I'm not going to tell you that I'm tolerating, and then eventually I'm just going to blow because I'm so sick of it and I don't understand. This passive-aggressive nature, we think we're being kind by tolerating, but what we have to do is examine and question intentions and what's going on and how to, how much does this mean to you. Communicate openly about each other's culture and challenge each other as to do we want to make this cultural thing that you're close to in your culture a part of our relationship and our children's lives. You know, you also have to understand attachment to religion. Now, later in the show, we're going to talk about uh, Islamic and, and, and Christian and Asian and, and all kinds of different, you know, Eastern European, Western European. We're going to look at some of these various values. And, and what we really have to understand is, you know, there are different religions and different faiths. And if you're going to come together, what religion or faith, if you're going to have any religion or faith, is your children going to embrace? Are you going to leave it up to them or are you going to force a specific religion on them? So uh, this is something that is very challenging. Also, you want to understand and explore your your partner's culture. So if you want to get to know your partner, you have to get to know their culture. You know, a huge advantage of cross-cultural relationships is your partner is an expert in their own culture. And so your partner can tell you about delicious food, beautiful countryside, but you also uh, uh, find ways about celebrating national holidays, birthdays, much more. You get more uh, to know your partner's culture, and the easier it becomes to understand your partner. By, by showing your partner that you're curious, your partner will automatically also show you more interest in your culture oftentimes. That is not always the case um, because some people come from a male uh, dominated culture, and they may feel like like uh, their culture is the one you have to migrate to. You know, don't be offended by criticism if you're going to be in a cross-cultural relationship because it's normal to criticize uh, each other from time to time. Even, you know, people that are in regular uh, intercultural relationships oftentimes uh, argue with each other enormously. And believe me, I call that job security. But in cross-cultural, if, if they don't uh, criticize and understand how to take criticism, they're going to get uh, the wheels off the car really fast. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk more about uh, points to consider before marriage and uh, on into the different cultures. Thanks for listening. Come back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. 
Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about cross-cultural relationships. You know, uh, we're just talking about some points to keep in mind. Uh, You know, you want to keep what matters most to you. You know, living with your partner doesn't mean you have to adopt every single habit, belief, or ritual that your partner has. You know, often in cultural relationships, habits, rituals, beliefs are so diverse that it's impossible for you or your partner to adopt every single one of them, especially when it means that you have to give up some of your own. So by trying to adopt your your partner's culture, uh, you want completely, you you will walk on eggshells soon because you may not agree with every single thing and and begin to feel like you're not yourself. So when you walk on eggshells, you know, you're not completely yourself. So sooner or later, you'll return to your own cultural habits. And this uh, is something that's not understood by the partner that thought you were blending with them. So the best thing to do is to pick those rituals, habits, and beliefs that make you happy and respect the ones you you, uh, do not like so much. So uh, And so give respect to those rituals, habits, and beliefs that you like and keep those in your life and don't back down. You also want to be very patient. You know, every person has their own rhythm in a relationship. For some people, it's easier to adjust to changes and new cultural elements in a relationship. You know, this may take a little longer in a cross-cultural one. So you want to be patient with your partner. Give your partner time and an opportunity to adjust to changes and accept and accept it if your partner can't get used to certain habits. Don't try to rush things because that causes your partner to feel pressured. Uh, you know, it may cause your partner to walk on eggshells themselves, and that's not what you want. So if you think your partner is worth it, then patience should not be a problem. The other thing is in these relationships, to keep them together, you want to plan for the future. So making plans for the future can be very tricky. Some people, it's normal to talk about children after one month, whereas others, it's never a good time. So some people want to live in their native country, whereas others want life uh, uh, outside of that. And in some cultures, it's normal to take care of the parents uh, once they are old, whereas in other cultures, this is uncommon. So culture can affect family plans, but in a cross-cultural relationships, it's important to talk about your plans for the future so you won't be surprised in the end. Talk about the way your partner wants to marry, what their commitment is to their broader family, and how many children your partner wants. Talk about finances and in sense of how, what is their financial response responsibilities towards their broader family. Talk about where your partner wants to live and so on. It may not seem important in the beginning, but after a while, these differences can drive two people apart. So, you know, if you're going to consider marriage with someone, uh, you really want to see uh, that there are so many points that you have to look at in a cross-cultural situation. Don't assume that your interest in your partner's culture will last 
or that it will somehow uh, prevent conflicts from occurring. Never underestimate the depth of the roots of your own upbringing. You know, sure, it's possible to change. Even uh, enough time and enough effort, given that, you can change. But no matter how deep you dig, you will always be you. Your beliefs, your emotions, your priorities, in short, your whole approach to life are shaped by a culture and by childhood. And to move away from that, you have to really understand who am I and what I am. what am I all about. You also have to understand that if you're going to enter a cross-cultural marriage, is your family going to accept the culture of the partner that you're bringing and how are they going to react to them and how are they going to view them? Because though you may be more liberal in your perspective, your family may be a holy terror for that person and you want to consider their needs. And is this good for them? You know, don't assume that the other person will change significantly just because of the relationship or because of your charming and wonderful influence. Some degree of, of uh, cross-pollinization is bound to occur between two people who share an intimate relationship. But when you start to expect change, then you start to get into big trouble. You don't marry to change someone. The best thing you can do for each other is acknowledge the fact that, that conflicts are going to occur and will often occur for the simplest and most unexpected reasons, often due to cultural differences. You know, that said, it, it should be quite obvious that you will want to find out as much as you possibly can about your potential partner and their lifestyle. You would be surprised how much is taken for granted in typical marriages, but um, in cross-cultural marriages is enormous. You know, that we can't take, uh, take each other for granted in this. You know, what priority does the extended family play in that person's life? How are family decisions made in that person's life? How much uh, free time is expected in a cross-cultural relationships. You know, here in California, if you if you take into account a, a Latina uh, relationship, especially first uh, generation coming from Mexico, that's a that type of family unit is very uh, interfamily, and they spend a lot of time together uh, traditionally. And that once again, we're making broad general statements, but the deal is, those cultures, the Mexican culture in particular has a lot of family unity, broad family unity. And so those families gather together on a continuous basis. So how much free time will you as a couple have uh, if your uh, partner is Latina? It, it may be very small. You may not have a lot of free time together. It may all be in your free time as family time. You know, uh, don't assume anything in cross-cultural relationships. Make sure you discuss with your partner every aspect of your future life. You know, don't assume that when your partner says something, it's unimportant and that it doesn't have to be discussed. Those, those areas are often the most important things to discuss. The fact that something is not important may be a signal that one or both of you are making an assumption about the way some aspect of life will turn out based on your own past experiences. Once again, these relationships are often passive-aggressive, meaning one person will stuff their needs looking at the other partner and saying, I'm, I'm just going to try to absorb this other partner's needs, even though that rubs me wrong, even though it's not who I am. And eventually the compromise is too much. Um, you know, if your partner refuses to discuss the subject openly, treat that as a big red flag and find out why. You know, in a cross-cultural relationships, the beliefs of people hold most dear are the ones in which they're least likely to want to discuss with someone else. 
So unless you're prepared to cheerfully accept whatever ideas and beliefs your partner may consider most important, I suggest you that at least find out what those beliefs are before jumping in a permanent relationship with that person. And also do research on that person's culture so that you can have better questions to ask them. You know, if somebody's a Hindu, you know, you know, you may want to find out more about their Hindu relationship and what a Hindu relationship requires. You you may want to study it on a broad aspect and throw it up against your partner and see what parts they embrace and what parts they don't embrace. You know, for example, if you're involved in a group uh, which supports a particular cause, but your partner sees this as one of your hobbies. And they have been brought up to believe that even when two people marry, they'll give up those hobbies uh, from their younger days. You may want to wait until after you're married, and you don't want to wait until after you're married to find out what all this common sense or you know problem is. You want to know that what your passions are are your passions, not to be compromised. But you want to discuss that before you're married, not after. You know, you also want to make it a point to talk about some tough topics like money, raising children, where to live. When you visit the family, how often you visit families before making those wedding arrangements. Look, the stuff is going to come up sooner or later. You, you have to start an argument or two, even if things are peaceful. Find out what it's like to fight with your partner's rules. No amount of love or respect is going to keep you from hitting the icebergs in a cultural relationship. You might as well, whenever you're able to work together through a situation by communicating and learning how to communicate not only on personal needs but cultural needs. You also want to make sure that between the two of you there is one language which you both are fluent. You know, this is very important because this is the the language you're going to be raising your children with. So, um, you know, you want not that the other language won't be brought in, but it's the secondary language. So one of you is going to have a cultural communication as far as what language you're going to speak. You know, the best idea is to have it be the language your children are going to learn in school. You know, uh, we, you know, we all need to examine our own motives when we move into this kind of a relationship. Is this someone you would hook up with even if you were safe and happy in your own country? If, if you are the partner who's trying to live in another culture, remember this. Culture shock can do funny things to normal, rational mind. You know, sure you're lonely. Sure things are, are about your surroundings that you can't just seem to figure out. Sure your partner makes everything seem safe by filling you in on subtle nuances of their culture. That's the formula for a perfect couple, right? No wrong. What you have is a parent-teacher, not a lover. So if your partner is spending all their time educating you on on nuances, you have to discover that you have to figure out if you're called if you're culturally compatible with your partner. Also, in these kind of relationships, you have to lay out the family finances out on the table, plan your budget for at least your first couple of years. Now, this is in this is in uh, pointing in the direction of marriage. You know, uh, uh why would you want to do that? Why would you want to lay out family finances for a year? Even in a single cultural marriage, money seems to be the biggest problem. You know, finances are the second uh, highest uh, reason why people divorce, at least in the United States. So, you know, finances is 
requires both to make decisions together. And, you know, money even is, 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 is more important to many families, especially Asian uh, families, are very strong about finances. That, you know, if there are enough differences in family finance and the views, like a Western and a Japanese culture, you might really want to know what is going on with the person you're betrothed to because that person may have a massively different philosophy of finances than you do. And going out and getting your Starbucks may not be as easy uh, with that partner that is much more into saving money. You know, uh, we also don't underestimate the importance of keeping good relations with your partner's parents. If you're going to be with a partner and going to marry, you're marrying also their family. And so we have to be respectful of our partner's uh, uh, cultural background, but we also have to be respectful of their family. And this means that we need to understand their, their subtleties in their culture. You know, there is a great deal of synergy between a parent and offspring, and parents of a person from a different culture can do you a great honor and assist you in communicating with your partner uh, when they understand what's going on between you and what the differences may be. You know, if, if you're going to be in one of these relationships, be ready to help your partner through uh, rough spots. And you also want to forget about any rules because your relationship is going to be unique, unique, unique. So here's some beautiful things that come through cross-cultural relationships. Learning how to express love in different languages. Coming to terms with the fact that sometimes you won't understand everything that's happening. You know, language barriers can be... Uh, a big problem when trying to communicate efficiently, uh, to, especially to your in-laws. So in the meantime, smiles and thumbs up all around. <laughs> you know, you want to have conversations about the topic of culture and how it plays into your relationship. This usually consists of questions such as, are your parents cool with you dating someone outside your own culture? Are you you know, have you ever actually dated anyone from a different culture? Am I your first? You know, also uh, what's beautiful about cross-cultural relationships is uh, tasting your way through a new uh, uh, diet or a new cuisine. You know, you try some of these traditional dishes from your partner's native culture that you've never heard of. And it's like, okay, cool. Uh, so I'll eat this. This is different. This is interesting. You know, it gives you a sense of an international diet rather than a national diet. And here in the United States, we have crappy diets. And we have a lot of garbage in our food. So learning from a different culture may actually be a good thing. You also want to have very serious conversations, once again, about religion or the lack thereof. You know, you have to realize you have conflicting ideologies and who's going to be a convert to what. And conversation may be plausible in the very near future. That means that you, you have to be flexible because what may be a very strong ideology may end up being a, a, a less one later on. Also, celebrating uh, good times, you know, getting to discover new holidays. Turns out you love a party even if you have no idea what or who is being celebrated. It doesn't matter. Enjoy it. You know, tapping into cultural idiosyncrasies. Each country and culture has its own superstitions, sayings, proverbs. You know, I, I've done many uh, work on many cruise ships, and the deal is that, that the cultures are enormous. And so uh, when there's a death, let's say, on the ship, you know, a Filipino culture may believe in uh, uh, ghosts and people from the islands may believe in ghosts. 
people from Eastern Europe may be uh, more religious or have a tendency to flow back to how the funeral will go. I mean, there's amazing amounts of views on on death and 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 different problems coming from many different cultures. Also, uh, receiving compliments and predictions on how cute your kids will be. That is something that could be a lot of fun in a cross-cultural relationship. And also, learning the new language, as we said er er earlier. Also, the stereotyping from outsiders, from insiders, and sometimes yourselves. You know, you face stereotypes, and you want to be able to joke about them together and be playful and toss about them about each other. Because you have to understand that there's a lot of naivete, and there's a lot of ignorance towards one or the other's culture. And uh, also traveling to new places is another benefit of a cross-cultural relationship. You know, that is cool. You know, planning future nuptials can be tricky, but it also could be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, uh, in Indian culture, a wedding can go on for a week. And so, you know, hey, uh, some of these cultures can be extremely intricate, but also challenging. You, you also, uh, you may root for two different teams in a cross-cultural relationship during the Olympics which can be fun. Then you have two teams to watch rather than one. And, and uh, telling uh, the haters that they can leave, you know, bye. You leave a lot of haters behind because you just don't have the time for them when you enter a cross-cultural relationship. You enter a cross-cultural relationship, you also take on the prejudice of your partner. And unfortunately, we begin to see the world and our culture through their eyes. And that is not always pretty. So, you know, let's look at, first of all, some of the uh, basic uh, cultures like Christianity and marriage. You know, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Muslim and marriage. Uh, we're going to talk about Latino. We're going to talk about Eastern Europe, Western Europe. But, you know, Christianity and marriage, you know, uh, there was a time in history when uh, Christian countries and Christianity had very strict control of marriage. And this state of affairs has a far shorter history than many would assume. You know, Christianity inherited its ideas about marriage through a combination of uh, Jewish law, uh, Roman paganism. And for a long time, those sources of ritual were more than enough, with the pagan sources of ritual being much more influential. Uh, so in the early Christian church, uh, it very quickly uh, produced its own uh, liturgy of Eucharist, baptism, confirmation, but nothing has really been done about uh, marriage. It, it was not important for a couple to have their nuptials blessed by a priest early on in the Christian church. People could marry by mutual agreement or by the presence of a witness. And so uh, we're going to go much more into detail now that we're starting into this cultural difference thing. And uh, hopefully we can do a nice deep dive into this as we enter our last segment. So tune in and come right back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. 
passionate life is about? Just that. There are so many human beings who have made a name for themselves by being humanitarians. They have become individuals who are known for being selfless, kind, and compassionate. Host Dr. Brittany King is also one of these humanitarians. Each week she shares stories of kindness that she has experienced throughout the world, both as a contributor and recipient of these acts of love and kindness. Listen every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about cross-cultural relationships. We're going into the basis of some religions, some of the major religions. And uh, we're going to go into also some of the basic cultures that are out there. Um, All right. So, you know, looking at Christianity, you know, Western marriage, uh, you know, fell entirely under the control of Christianity. And it 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 is it performed exclusively exclusively under Christian clergy, at least in the early 1700s or 1400s on up through uh, the many generations. Now, of course, in the United States, uh, there's been a lot more religions, a lot more cultures that have entered our country. But, you know, Christians of the Dark Ages, uh, you know, m- m- the following elements are no longer a part of society. Uh, you know, like uh, the dogmas that, that uh, were about in the, uh, the Dark Ages. You know, Christianity was responsible for producing uh, draconian restrictions against remarriage, uh, female infior- infior- inferiority in marriage, uh, both legally and social, by the way, and other uh, elements, you know. Uh, many of the writings of the church are entrenched in the New Testament now, which changed the view on, and once the New Testament came around, it really changed the view on marriage. And uh, the the ideal, by the way, in, in the Corinthians, for instance, was to remain single, but marrying a woman was best done if you really couldn't uh, help yourself from sex. <laughs> so, you know, sex was one of the worst things that could happen in the Dark Ages. And uh, since then, uh, since the Enlightenment and the Reformation, it's reasonable, positive uh, that marriage should be there. And uh, also, uh, many early Christian churches allowed same-sex marriages, by the way, and that was that pagan uh, Roman influence. And as uh, Christianity displaced these pagan practices over the years and the Roman Empire fell, marriage became increasingly restricted to cold, stoic, oppressive, uh, regimented, pre, uh, priest-like uh, church doctrine in marriage. And thankfully, nowadays, most weddings and marriages are secular. Love, romance, commitment now uh, form three secular bedrocks of modern Christianity and modern marriage. So, ideals have been... 
these these dra- uh, draconian ideals have been forgotten, and and also remarriage is now accepted. Women have equal rights in marriage, so we are no longer forced by Christian dogma to lead uh, solitary, guilt-ridden lives. But we can actually move on and uh, have a less uh, dysfunctional relationship. And new health has saved marriages from this decline. You know, also, uh, we're learning in this day and age, and especially in this generation, that same-sex marriage is beginning to be accepted by churches once again, rolling back to our old Roman dogma. So, you know, Christianity is something that if you're going to be in a cross-cultural relationship, you have to begin to understand that if one of the two of the partners is a Christian and you want to find out how close they are to their Christianity, also what their view of Christianity is, are they Catholic? You know, are are they, you know, are they uh, Pentecostal, whatever? I mean, there's so many variances of uh, religious dogma out there. And so we all have to begin to understand where our partner comes from. There's many subtleties, just like there is in Islam and, and, and Hindu and Buddhism. There's many subtleties in the various cultures and viewing religion. Also, you know, Islam is a religion that takes marriage very seriously, both within its theology and within Muslim countries. For example, Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, Iran, it's illegal to have sex outside of marriage, not just not recommended, illegal. And and this seriously all too frequently descends into barbarism and a complete rejection of human rights. So, you know, you have to look at that uh, in that kind of a relationship, how serious it's uh, the, the sex is taken as far as a relationship. Also, the practice of forced marriages is nowhere more popular than it is in Muslim countries. You know, these arranged relationships are a big part of Muslim culture. And, you know, Islam is, an you know, if if you find yourself in a cross-cultural relationship, I'll guarantee you it's not likely one where two families have picked these two people to come together of different cultures. It's going to be within the culture. So if you're marrying into a family that is Muslim where male dominance is there or, or the sense of Islamic faith is so important, I doubt if they're going to really accept you as a cross-cultural partner. They're going to view you through their culture. They're going to try to understand. They're going to try to empathize. But you're certainly not going to be the choice of their loving uh, child that has come to love you in a cross-cultural relationship. You know, uh, also, you know, Islam takes on uh, an oppression towards females. You know, women face a long list of one-sided serious restrictions on basic freedoms on their lifestyle. Now, believe me, some people, this is voluntary. To If they, do, they join the Islamic church, this is something that they've embraced. This doesn't mean that I'm not criticizing this. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. What I am saying is it's something that you have to consider in a cross-cultural relationship. You know, where where can a woman go? Where What can they see? What can they wear? You know, although it's, it's foundation, Muslims like to say Islamic law is uh, progressive and included an element of protection for women in today's world where equality and fairness are the norm. So Islamic law looks uh, a little bit barbaric to Christian law. And in fact, it's often uh, 
not understood and it's just judged just by looking at it you know arranged marriages are rife and condoned in islamic law and most islamic schools of thought parents typically choose a wife or a husband for their child so once again that's something if you're in a western culture or in a different culture than muslim you really have to understand that this may be a big problem with your partner's family uh, also, polygamy in the Islamic culture works solely in the male's favor, uh, with the power uh, to divorce often being purely his. And there are instances where wives have, over periods of years, requested a divorce due to abuse or only to be turned down by their husband in, in front of the Shira courts. On the other hand, a husband who wants a divorce with a, my, a wife merely has to demand it. This is inequality and, and is made even worse when husbands can have multiple wives uh, in their life and they're secure and the wife is not. You know, so polygamy is something you have to understand. Is that a part of your partner's culture? And is that a partner, something that they embrace? Also, inheritance law, in very specific terms, uh, Islamic law demands that uh, they specify that for every part of inheritance given to a daughter, two parts must be given to a son. So, you know, entering into a Muslim thing, you really have to consider that. Is that something I understand? And how close is my partner's family and my partner to that idea? Secret underage marriages uh, sounds typical, but this is something that happens. So is your partner pledged to a younger girl or guy in a different culture? Have they fled that country to come here and they marry you, but their family has promised them uh, to a much younger partner? That's something you often have to consider and ask and have a very open conversation with your partner about, especially coming from a Muslim background. Now, Eastern European, looking to the West, and what is Eastern European? Well, we're talking like Russia, Estonia, uh, Sweden, uh, the Baltic states, any any of those uh, countries, uh, Finland, uh, out, out in that direction. These are, are often uh, Poland. These are uh, Eastern European. Lithuania, by the way, I mean, I could go on and on and list all these, the, the Eastern European uh, beautiful countries. Um, by the way, I just vacationed out in, in uh, uh, Eastern Europe. It's an incredibly beautiful place. Okay, so, um, you know, we have to understand there's huge differences in the West and Eastern Europe. Um, many of these people differ uh, because they look at us as not, not a very... Uh, we're kind of chill in the Western culture compared to them. Uh, many of the people in Eastern Europe are highly opinionated. They don't like to talk about trivial things. They want to talk about real topics. They're also highly educated. Uh, many have a very socialist structure of education, and they're educated very well. And so we have to understand uh, that uh, we are uh, oftentimes too chill and too trivial in how we view life from a Western perspective. Also, Western, you know, pop culture is more complex than the Easterns uh, have ever imagined. Coming here into the United States or in, into a Western culture, it may be enormously uh, difficult for them to understand how many different points of views there are, how many different types of music there are, how many different types of movies all the subtleties that are offered within a, a Western culture may be overwhelming to a person coming from an Eastern background. Uh, once again, they find uh, a small talk. And once again, we're talking in generalities. Generalities, folks, that's what it is. Generalities, these are not specific to any individual. These are broad characteristics 
coming from an Eastern European perspective. So, you know, they, 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 uh, diplomacy is not a strong point in Eastern Europe. They have a strong purpose for talking. When asking a question, they expect an answer. Uh, you know, uh, Romanians are very known uh, uh, f- for beating around the bush, are far more direct when people are in the West. You know, y- you might say uh, Germans are direct, but Americans are also can be very direct, but in business. They're not as direct and personal. You know, if, uh, you have to understand Eastern Europeans are blunt all the time, and it's perhaps the source of most uh, that, uh, that it makes it cringe. They don't get it. They, they're like, wow, wow. But they are very uh, forthright. Also, women um, can be very different coming from Eastern culture. Uh, Many people in the West assume that Eastern European girls are slutty. Well, they're not. They are usually very upstanding, very intelligent women. And uh, so that, that thought basis, because they may come from a poorer country, doesn't mean necessarily that they have a poorer mindset or if they have different values than we do. Also, in Eastern Europe, religion is a habit. It's a lot more familiar and a lot of traditions are more familiar to the Eastern European person than persons in the West. They're a little racist also uh, in that because they're not used to people coming to their countries from other countries and other cultures. They They didn't grow up that way. So something unfamiliar to them, maybe something hard for them to accept, and they trust their government in the East. Also, Western European, uh, they have a, a feeling of time uh, and, and, di- and distances. You know, perception is something that uh, they, they respect a hundred-year-old house. Uh, it, that looks new to them, by the way, in, in Europe. Uh, if it's 200 years old, it's, it's new. You know, uh, washing machines, uh, Eastern European washing machines normally have only uh, cold water inlet. Here in the U.S., we have warm water. We have all kinds of ways. Also, uh, measuring system is metrics in, in, in Europe. Also, public holidays. They have many more holidays than we do in the West. Social customs like baby showers and bachelor night with strippers in the United States, even though they uh, made their way into Europe in some degrees, but they may not be considered a very uh, uh, European thing to do. You know, it's more of an American thing to do. Also, schools and universities are free in most uh, Western European countries. So Europeans see university as God-given gift, and you should take it. Also, many foreign languages are learned in the Western cultures compared to the United States. Also, politics, they're, they're much more liberal. Uh, in in their process, in looking at like prostitutes, soft drugs, alcohol, abortion, cloning, all those are different. Also, uh, Americans have Congress, while Europeans have parliaments, and we have to understand that many of the European, Western European folks come from a uh, sense of a uh, a culture that's a bit more socialist. Also, we are in the United States much more patriotic. Uh, we are much more religious in many ways than Western Europeans. Also, look at cir- circumcision. It, it's mostly unheard of in Europe. But here in the United States, uh, it's, it's something that is considered uh, normal and something that we should do. Food is different and also sports are different in Europe. So, you know, there are so many things that we have to look at. Asia versus the U.S. Privacy 
is huge. Chinese people do not have the same concept of privacy. Family, elders are traditionally treated with enormous respect. Friends, Chinese people have different meanings to define different friends. Also money. Uh, that is something that is viewed in the Asian culture as something that is respectable in a relationship. And education, Asian people value education. Now, I could go into more complications of uh, using examples, but that's we're just not going to have time for that. So, you know, let's look at the African tribal culture. You know, many of the people from Africa come from a sense of tribes if they didn't come from a tribe. So, you know, it, it's, uh, it's what's good for the group, not the individual in a tribal culture. All land is owned by the group, strong feeling of loyalty to the group, important ceremonies at different parts of a person's life, special age and work associations, deep respect for ancestors, religion is an important part of every life, and government is in the hands of chiefs. So let's look at Latinos. They care for each other. They want to take care of each other. They want to live in each other. They want to socialize together. They're clan-like. They stay in a, a close contact with relatives. Gender roles are taught early and relatively strict. Men provide, women take care Hard work, play hard, they respect hard work, and they do not balk at manual labor. Also, entertainment is a priority in Latino life. Music, dance, food, festivals, ceremonies, religion, and traditions are very important, especially Roman Catholic. Faith is not essential, but following tradition is. And education is valued, uh, but immigrating for better education and opportunity is best. Okay, that's our show. Our next uh, show is Difficult Children. I want to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. Get your feedback, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Remember, masturbation offers the ultimate partner, yourself. Also, how often do you hear, I hate men? Oh, never mind. He just texts me back. That's our show. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 